Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. And Zencaster's like giving me a message that covers up my time. I don't like that. Okay. Today is... <laughs> Jackson is in here again today. Today is... I have no idea. Tuesday. Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021. And then clearly I need more coffee. I tried cracking my door open. Because um, he's pacing around. Come on up. He's just going to swirl around at my feet this morning. Um, I'm fine. Thank you all of you who said something about my face. It really is fine. Uh, just a little scratch on my nose. Scratch on my lip. You have to be nice or I'm going to kick you out. Come on. Mm -hmm. He's not going to be nice. Reader. <laughs> this is foreshadowing. I should have shut my door. But you guys asked for cats, right? Some of you asked for cats. Probably the rest of the classes. Like, Evergreen, why did you ask for cats? Actually, I think it was Library Addict. But anyway. um, So let's see. News in my life. Um... Coming along on Sorceress Queen and the Pirate Rogue. Um, I'm at 78,000 words, which means I'm on track to finish 12 more thousand words by the end of the week. Uh, but I am, um, I don't know. I keep feeling like I need to get more into the story. But I did get them through a big, big fight yesterday. That's They've made up now. It's so much better. Um, I have uh, bookmarks arrived. Look, I got new bookmarks. I have Dark Wizard bookmarks. It's got a really good quote on the back. You can, um, if you order books from me, I put the bookmarks in there. But if you... Um, what bookmarks? You can always order them through the website store. It's just a dollar, and that way I throw them in the in the mail for you. Uh, Fate of the Tala bookmarks. This one says, um, "This was mine more than anything else. A legacy of my mother's and her mother's before her." Oh, I should have said for people who aren't on video, what's on the Dark Wizard one. Um, the front is the tagline. She ran from him but couldn't escape her heart. And on the back it says, I knew when I read your dossier that you were exactly the sort to dash yourself brainless trying to fight the complication. That's a bit of foreshadowing. It's a foreshadowing morning. I've never really talked about foreshadowing, have I? We should talk about that sometime. Probably not today. <clears throat> even though I have the perfect segue. I have other things I want to talk about. I have Lost Princess Returns bookmarks. Sometimes beautiful things survive to blossom and grow with covers on the back. These are all due to the lovely Corrine. She put these together. And then St. Martin's put these together for me, but I bought them because, I don't know, St. Martin's is poor and couldn't afford to buy me bookmarks. But these are for the full trilogy for Forgotten Empires. Welcome to the world of the Forgotten Empires from award-winning author Jeffy Kennedy, with which I think is a, a fairly 
um, an exciting quote from book list on the back, but hey, that's what St. Mark's wanted to do. So, you know, at least it uh, has all three pretty colors on the front. Oh, I dropped one. All three pretty covers. We might have to make new ones of these, Corinne. These aren't as nice, I think, as the ones you put together. So, uh, those are the ones yesterday. Here, picked up the bookmark. And we're going to have to order more bookmarks anyway, Corinne, because I realized that the existing bookmarks, that I actually don't have that many of them. And, oddly enough, I have uneven numbers left. Um, so I have my ones for the shift of the tide, which is you'll want to take the easy path if you truly want this. Don't take it. Choose pain. Poisonda. So I have like, I don't know. I'm wondering if I have another stack somewhere, but I have like five of those. Five of Snows of Windroven. I've dealt with more cantankerous creatures than dragons. And her name is Amy. Um, so that's five. And then I have six of Dragons of Summer. All we can do is our best, and your best, my mighty one, is astonishing. We love Harlan. And <laughs> so, like, I, can, I think I used up all of my Arrows bookmarks. Why did I use up more Arrows bookmarks? So anyway, we'll talk. We'll talk. Um, so... What I want to tell you guys. Uh, I have notes. I do have notes. So I learned something interesting yesterday. Um, one of my uh, authors who I'm coaching, who is working on her first book, uh, asked me a question that kind of took me aback because she was referring to a panel that she saw of authors where one of them, at least one, suggested that the best way to learn how to write sex scenes is to watch porn. And she asked this in context. She's like, well, I know that the best way to learn, or I've heard that the best way to, to learn to write sex scenes is to watch porn, but I don't really watch porn and porn doesn't do anything for me. And I was kind of in one of those um, modes where I was like, can we just <laughs> rewind slightly and go back to to our initial premise, which frankly sucks. Um, I was really surprised that, first of all, a writer would give that advice. Second of all, that a woman writer would give that advice. And third of all, I don't know, that anybody would think that was good advice. Why would you watch porn uh, to learn to write sex scenes? <laughs> It's like, okay, well, they have sex in common, but so, so here's the thing. And I know that porn has evolved and I am, I'm not a porn watcher, frankly, because it doesn't do anything for me either. Um, I've occasionally watched some of it, some's better than others. Um, I liked behind the green door, which is old. Uh, the thing is, is most pornography is by its very nature, um, intended as a visual stimulation. It's a visual medium. And a, the, the huge audience for visual porn 
is male because men are visually stimulated creatures, right? So I, I, I just have to mention that Jackson swirled out of my office again. So this may be the solution until I can be outside again. Um, we're supposed to get more snow today, yeah, more snow, but it's chilly outside. So he wandered off and I think this is good. This way he's happy. He can come and go, which is all cats ever want. So I know that there is, um, you know, I know that there's more porn for women these days uh, or porn meant to be watched together, that kind of thing. But I'm still going to stick with my premise. And you guys could tell me if I'm wrong, because really, as I said, I don't really watch porn. Um, most of it is, is without story. It's not, it, it's, it's the visual stimulation. It's focusing on stamina, stamina and prowess. And, you know, it's a lot of male gaze. It's a lot of looking at pretty women's bodies and seeing men do manly things to them. And I know that there's variations in this, that there's gay porn, um, you know, of all stripes and so forth, but I'm still going to stick <laughs> with my premise that most, most porn is not story-based. And the whole point of learning to write good sex scenes is learning to get into story and character. Because that's why people will complain that sex scenes are gratuitous. Um, you could basically just fast forward to the money shot, right? Um, that they are tab A goes into slot B or the slot B's rubbed together or, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, two tab A's and one slot B or three orifices, all of these things, right? Um, it is not about a good sex scene, especially in... Well, I'm just going to say not even in a romance novel. A good sex scene is about intimacy. It's about physical intimacy primarily, but it's also about all other kinds of intimacy. I don't know why my nose is tickling today. It's like I've got a, a little fuzzy in there somewhere. So it it's about being intimate with another person or more than one person. And so what makes a really good sex scene is the characters and the emotional, mental, spiritual changes within the people. It's about the people coming together and, and why it's meaningful. So, and, and female brains tend to be much more about the story. We tend to be more auditory, um, and we tend to want the emotional context for a thing. And, you know, of course, all of these things, I'm, you know, I'm not going to say if you're not like this, I'm going to tell you not to be that way. Um, because there's great, there's a spectrum, right? You know, everybody's different. And there are many women who, you know, are strictly in it for the physical rush. There are a lot of people who only want the emotional component of a relationship and they don't, they're not interested in the, the physical sexuality, but what it comes down to is connecting as human beings. Uh, you know, unless you are, I don't know, a dude bro wanting to, uh, 
revel in. <laughs> I won't get too detailed, but you guys know what I'm saying, right? Um, in in books, and certainly the kind of books I like to read and write, the the sex scene is about the people coming together and ideally having to change something about themselves in order to embrace true love. Um, I know that not all of you want to write about true love, and that's fine. But it's still about the people coming together. So if you want to learn to write great sex scenes, if you want to study other stuff, um, I think watching porn is a terrible idea. I think that would make your sex scenes into the equivalent of, you know, it, it would be very male gaze and very visually focused on the acts itself and not on the story, not on the characters. So what do you do? Well, I think you read books with great sex scenes, but then there are movies where the sex is part of the story. And as I was coming up with examples for this gal to put on her list, I was realizing that in recent decades, we've really lost, and I remember reading an article about this, that a lot of movies have, have cut the sex scenes um, if they are not porn. Whereas in the 80s and early 90s, there were a lot of great movies where um, the storyline was erotic. And one of them that I thought of was In the Cut with Meg Ryan. You guys remember that movie? Um, nine and a Half Weeks. I know that there's problematic things about it since then, but um, with the way Kim Bassinger was treated on set. But that's about uh, a very intimate erotic love affair. Uh, the Big Easy was has great sex scenes. The Turning Point had great sex, had a beautiful sex scene because it was beautiful dancer bodies. Mikhail Baryshnikov, you guys, before he got squidgy. Um, I can't remember which other ones I told her offhand, but also read the books that, um, have well-told erotic stuff in them. That's not all about the male gaze. Um, and one of, and, and, and the one I recommended was Anais Nin's The Delta of Venus, and I do have a shelf up here that's like all of my erotic books. And I, my copy of The Delta of Venus, which I think belonged to my mother. I probably stole it from her. I mean, it's older, you know, lovely book. But Anna Eastman, um, Delta of Venus, she also wrote, um, she has a number of books, a number of collections and so forth. But I think this is the only one that I have. But um, it was kind of funny because I suggested that book. I suggested a few others. Um, what I suggested was Exit to Eden by Anne Rampling, who is also Anne Rice. And don't watch the movie because they decided to make it into a farce. And yes, Exit to Eden does have all the BDSM stuff in it. And, but it really is about a journey where it actually starts with BDSM. Don't let that um, startle you, although it's, it's good to read if you want to broaden your horizons. But then it moves into um, this amazingly intimate 
love affair. It begins with sex and moves to love, which is something that I like to do. Probably very influenced by Anne Rice that way. Um, but it was kind of funny because after I had this conversation with this gal and gave her all of these wrecks, and then I was on Messenger with Bestie Grace Draven and complaining about this, complaining about authors who are actually not all that experienced, frankly. You know, it's, um, you know, everybody wants to be on panels and do workshops because it's great promo. Uh, but having a couple of books out, especially when you can self-publish, isn't a guarantee that you know your chops. And so I was complaining that I thought this was bad advice. And Grace was um, agreeing with me. She doesn't always, actually. She, she argues with me all the time, which is actually one reason I love her. But um, this time she was in total agreement. And she said, yeah, I would tell her just to go back and read Anais Nin. And, <laughs> and I was laughing. And I said, that's really funny because that's exactly what I told her to do. And, and Grace said, well, hello, Wonder Twin. <laughs> We really are wonder twins. Ah, I got all excited and kicked the cord. Um, so that was funny. And I snin apparently is the, the wreck. Um, she, I've read stuff where she talks about this. Um, she was writing in an era where she could make money by writing um, erotic stuff. And they would pay like a dollar a page back in the 60s. I mean, We'd be lucky to get a dollar a page now, right? Uh, so she really, um, <laughs> like here, the preface says, and this is from April 1940. Oh, it's not her. Let's see who's writing the preface. It was updated several times. Oh, no, it was her. The final update was in 76, but she starts out saying, a book collector offered Henry Miller $100 a month to write erotic stories. It seemed like a Dante-esque punishment to condemn Henry to write erotica at a dollar a page. He rebelled because his mood of the moment was the opposite of Rabelaisian, because writing to order was a castrating occupation, because to be writing with a voyeur at the keyhole took all the spontaneity and pleasure out of his fanciful adventures. So very boy. Isn't that so very boy? All right. Before I go, I will explain why I am Symphony in Purple today, um, celebrating uh, some of my very favorite purple jewelry. These are amethyst earrings, just square amethysts in an open setting. So, you know how I was talking about if the back is open, they catch the light more. Um, very simple, faceted across the top in the rectangles, silver setting. Uh, Fairly large for those of you not on video, but very light. I really love these. Um, David gave them to me, and they are particularly considerate in that he got the jeweler to make them to match this ring I have, which is this long amethyst rectangle. Those of you who've seen me in person know I wear it most of the time. My mother gave me this, um, I think, for my 30th birthday. Is that right, Mom? A uh, long time ago. So I wear this amethyst all the time. I've had people like try to buy this ring off of me. And then when my essay collection, Wyoming Trucks True Love and the Weather Channel came out, my mom got me this 
amethyst pendant, which is sort of a diamond shape with um, little, I don't know if they're diamonds or crystals across the bottom. So they all go together and I like wearing my purple amethyst jewelry. Amethyst is not my birthstone. My birthstone is peridot, which I think that there's just not many pretty examples of, alas. But um, I I wear whatever color I like, and I like the I like purple. Makes me happy. So I am going to go get busy. Uh, throw me your recs for um, scenes in either books or movies that you think are really wonderful sex scenes. Um, ones that are more than Debbie does Dallas. Nothing wrong with Debbie doing Dallas, but uh, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you guys what you guys think. Um, especially not the usual suspects. So let's um, like reach out to to maybe some stuff we haven't uh, thought of in a long time, or or maybe authors we haven't heard of would be great. Um, I'll remind you all: first cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. You will find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all Thursday. You all take care. Bye-bye.